what was that tomfoolery airplane signaling shit you were doing? <laughs> I wanted to do like, it's dead noise. But then I was like, I don't know sign language. And I was about to ask you, how do you say dead noise in sign language? But then it was supposed to be dead noise. So I had to stop myself. I have to tell you that audio things are very hard to interpret. <laughs> For reasons. <laughs> For the hard of hearing? Yeah, I could, I figured, yeah. Oh, we're cutting all of this. It's not happening. Welcome to episode 27 of Sweet Tea and D&D. <laughs> uh, is it 27? Yeah, 27. Yes. Uh, it's, what, what do we call this? Um, second edition? Second edition. <laughs> um... I don't want to introduce myself because I feel like that's weird. I'm Zach. Hi, Zach. <laughs> God damn it. How is this so hard? Are we that just uncomfortable as human beings? I don't know. I feel like we both you know, we, we both listen to and that's why we drink. And I feel they struggle in the beginning of all their episodes, too. They start to struggle and then they just talk for 30 minutes. It's all right. Don't it's all right. Out. But sometimes you're just like. Here for ghost stories. That's Tell what me that some goddamn ghost for. You stories. You just hit it a few times and you're up to speed. Then you hit an ad. <laughs> We're not cool enough for ads yet. Right. Sorry. No one we'll loves see. enough to have us whore ourselves out. This, um, episode, this, episode, this episode is brought to you by depression. Uh, we barely got here. <laughs> <laughs> depression. I'm barely making it. <laughs> it's all right. We, Hashtag real issues. Hashtag I take pills for that. Um, Woo. <laughs> today. I am talking about the Berbalang, which is found on page 120 of Mordecai's Tome of Foes. And I had to fucking draw the Berbalang. Berbalang. It's Burbling. just a cool thing to say. Whoa, Black Betty. Berbalang. Whoa, Black <laughs> Betty. Berbalang. I hope you can always remember that. That and is. And please don't copyright strike us. We love you. Hey, it was less than what did you? What did six seconds? Gary, six, seconds? six seconds. Or six something? seconds. I don't remember who sings that, but whoever you are, please don't copy strike us. I'm sure they might. Um, so, uh, the Berbalang, uh, they creep across the petrified remains of dead gods adrift on the astral plane. Cool. As you do, obsessed with gathering secrets both from the gods they inhabit and from the bones of dead creatures, they call forth the spirits of the dead and force them to divulge what they learned in life. Cool. Cool. That's one way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Who I feel needs like whisper campaigns? Just raise the dead and speak to them. That would be the coolest kind of arc of a, I almost want to say like a knowledge cleric, but you focus on undead. Like you want to learn just all the secrets of the dead people. There's an undead cleric version, wasn't? I don't Markle? know. You played one. He was a grave cleric. It's the same. Well, there might be undying, but that I think is a warlock. Well, there's subplot. there's grave, and then there's um, Spooktober. Yes. <laughs> the scariest of clerics. I'm David S. Pumpkin. <laughs> What's with the pump? The skeletons. Part of it. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know who David S. Pumpkins is, Google you can find out. Google that shit. That was one of the few good SNL skits. God, out it was amazing. Tom um, Hanks is a treasure. <laughs> Burbalangs prefer to speak only to dead things, and specifically only to the spirits they call forth in the hope of learning secrets. They record their stories on the bones that once belonged to those creatures, thus preserving the information they gain. That's fucked up, <laughs> but... That would be a great introduction to like one of these creatures, though. Is like you stumble across a body, 
What la- well, I'll wait till you get to languages and I, I'll ask my questions. I it's there's I feel like there's a lot of ways to use this character. Um, the pursuit of knowledge drives everything Burbalangs do. Although they mostly learn their secrets from the dead, they aren't above spying on the living to take knowledge from them as well. A Burbalang can create a spectral duplicate of itself, send the duplicate out to gather information on other planes by watching places where the gods and their servants gather. So like it's in a church. Take me to church. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... This thing very much looks like a demon, so... Eh? Yeah. Um, when a Burbalang is perceiving, yeah, when a is perceiving its environment through its duplicate, duplicate. God, I know English. Its actual body is unconscious and can't protect or nourish itself. Thus, a Burbalang typically uses its duplicate for only <laughs> the a, duplicate. I can't say it for only a short time before returning its consciousness to its body. Um, they're also known as oracles. The knowledge that Burbalangs accumulate makes them great sources of information for powerful people traveling the plains. Burbalangs ignore petitioners, however, unless they come bearing a choice secret or the bones of a particularly interesting creature. Githyaki, Githyanki, Githyanki. Githyanki have found a way to coexist with Burbalangs and sometimes use their creatures to spy on their enemies and to watch over their crutches on the material plane. I had to look up that word, and it means like a nursery. <laughs> I had to Google a word, too. It I has, love the D&D's making me Google words. I should read more books that looks, aren't monster manuals. Well, I'd heard, I'd seen this word, but only at Christmas time. Because <laughs> remember, it's, Oh, the, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, the little, like, stable-looking thing, a crush. Um, Can we make our own nativity scene? Because it says where religious people gather. And it's well, just um, a baby Jesus and a Burberlings looking just over looking his manger. Over it. Like, oh, religion. But it's not a Burberling. It's it's duplicate. So It's its creepy spectral duplicate. And you know <laughs> Jesus saw it. Jesus is just like, whoa. <laughs> and nobody else sees this? Um, Burberlings are medium aberrations and they're neutral evil. They have a natural armor class of 14. They have 38 up to, and I thought this was weird, 11d8 minus 11. So I'm not sure why they just didn't say, you know, a different number. It just seems so weird. I don't know. <laughs> so you have up to 77 hit points and a speed of 30 feet and a fly speed of 40 feet, which is cool. They have enormous ass wings, so you would hope so. Uh, its strength is a nine. Dex is 16, so that's pretty cool. Uh, con of nine. Intelligence of 17. Wisdom of 11 and a charisma of 10. Uh, its saving throws are dex and intelligence, both with a plus 5. Its skills, it has arcana, history, and religion at a plus 5. Insight and perception at a plus 2. It has true sight up to 120 feet. That's pretty cool. That's a large ass true sight. Um, and a passive perception of 12. It knows all languages. All, all languages. It, it says all. God damn. I've never seen that before. I've never either. Um, so it says well, I mean, all, you can cast comprehend languages, but still. All but rarely speaks. It's a challenge rating of two. How much do you have to fuck up to get a Burbalane to speak to you? I think, well, apparently you have to have good, you know, good you gotta secrets. You got to have some good bones. 
or good, good bones. bones. What if you have good bone structure? What if I have a good bony secrets? <laughs> <laughs> what if my face is perfectly symmetrical? Do you think he'd talk to me? I think he'd take the flesh off your face and then talk to Probably you. Probably like, I'm going to carve your history on <laughs> these bones. I'm going to tell your story on your bones. That would ugh, be a very sad story on my bones. Um, <laughs> I approached for, in- he approached for information, received none, died. <laughs> There's a lot of spaces where it's just cried and... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While being flayed. <laughs> Cried, drank tea, was a f- lazy bird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it would not be an interesting story. Um, it does have the spectral duplicate feature, which recharge, recharges after a short or long rest. As a bonus action, the Bremelang creates one spectral duplicate of itself in an unoccupied space it can see within 60 feet of it. While the duplicate exists, the Bremelang is unconscious. A Burbalane can have only one duplicate at a time. The duplicate disappears when when it or the Burbalane drops to zero hit points or when the Burbalane dismisses it as a free action. The duplicate has the same statistics and knowledge as the Burbalane and everything experienced by the duplicate is known by the Burbalane. All damage dealt by the duplicate is psychic damage. Interesting. Um, so if it like cuts you or claws you... It's psychic. I guess so, since it's not an actual Oh, yes, it's not physically there. Thing. Um, it does have innate spell casting. The innate uh, spell casting ability is the intelligence. Um, it's a DC 13. And the Rebelang can innately cast two spells requiring no material components. It can do speak with dead at will. Damn. And once a day, it can plane shift, but only on itself. And then it has a multi-attack with a bite and claws, and they're pretty typical bite and claw attacks. With a plus five to hit, reach of five feet, the bite on a hit does eight up to 13 piercing damage, and the claws are plus five to hit, reach of five feet, and does eight up to 11 slashing damage. There's like there's flavor text here, but I feel I have so many more questions about burblings. Like, that's it's a great creature to That's throw like, in a campaign. It's I think it's a great thing to have to seek out. Like, oh, you mean to go find a burbling because they obviously know everything. Yeah. And to get to talk to you, you have to give it some sort of information or a really cool thing. Like you can't yeah. just show up. You can't intimidate the burbling. It knows your secrets. Right. It'll comment on like your facial features and be like, mm, your bones are shit. Or like your eyebrow game is shit. Not on fleek. <laughs> I was not going to say that. Weak on fleek. <laughs> so I think, do you have an idea of how you would use this? Because I have one. I I honestly think it would be more of the, the party has to find this and get information out of it. Or um, if you found out where its home was, you could always look for bones and see what the bones themselves say yeah i think it'd be interesting is like the party's looking for some like godly information regarding the gods like for example like vecna coming back if you wanted some history of its previous followers he'd be like oh i've read those bones but you have to pay the price and so he sends like the the relatively good aligned party to be like i need you to go grave robbing and find me some good bones (laughs) 
And then, I mean, anybody who's got good bones is probably not like buried in a backyard of a church. So you got to send them to a nice dungeon where their bones are kept. Maybe it's like a royal family crypt or something. And they have to sneak in and do all this stuff. So that's like a whole, like, that's probably three sessions of shenanigans right oh, there. Oh, I'm sure you can milk it for all it's worth. And then he comes back and gives you this information of like, maybe you want to kill a god. Maybe you want to make a god. And that information was lost. And the Berberling's like, secrets. <laughs> secret, secret. I got a secret. And I think it would be, because one, it doesn't have to be on that plane. No, it does not. Because it's, I, when I, when you initially said 60 feet, I'm like, oh, it has to conjure it within 60 feet of it. But then I was like, but it can plane shift once per day. So the downside is, it's really not a downside when you think about it. Because it, it could just be like, I'm standing and floating on one, at the ethereal plane or whatever. And then, fin- it makes a duplicate, and then it sends that duplicate on the material plane to Snoop yep. or wherever it wants to go. The downside is, is it can't move again for a day because mm. plane shift once per day. Yeah, plane shift once per day. It can only go back to its like original. Yeah, body. the spectral would just disappear, right? Yeah. And I think the way I would do this kind of everything is psychic from this thing is. The party members are crying out in pain or like maybe one of them grabs their arm from the blood gushing from it. But then the rest of the party is like, he's not bleeding. Oh, that'd be fun. He's weird. That's stupid. Because it doesn't seem like it has any ranged attacks, like psychic range. No, everything is a biter claw attack. But it takes it as psychic damage. Yes. So I think it would be interesting to see like, oh, yeah, you can feel the pain burning. That'd be really good to trick out a barbarian. Yes. And the barbarian would probably notice in rage, but the rest of the party who's relatively observant would be like, they're not bleeding. Yeah. But the one thing But you wouldn't you wouldn't take the half damage that barbarians take with a piercing or slashing damage. You would take full damage because Because it's it's psychic. psychic. That's one of the few that they cannot block. Yeah. There's one totem that lets you block everything but psychic damage. I don't know what that is, but yeah. It's one of Stacy's her Stacy's character has that. Um the bear, the totem of the bear, I think think it's what it's called. So I'm going to talk about fire newt, and there fire are newt. three of them. Three, three of them in the um, Volo's Guide to Monsters. You can find them on page 142. So they are, they're really cool creatures. Like if you look at the picture of them, it actually looks like you can see their veins and arteries running through their bodies, which is nifty. But that doesn't mean. We're not artists. Don't have your expectations high. Right. Yeah. You're lucky we try. Um, so these guys take residence in locations of hot uh, springs, uh, volcanic activity, and similar hot and wet conditions. So Texas. Uh, <laughs> right. They can be found um, in these areas in kind of groups. Uh, they're humanoid amphibians, and they live in militaristic theocracies that revere elemental fire in its worst incarnation. They like praise be the fire lava. evil god, kind of <laughs> like I don't know. They're not necessarily worshiping lava, but so these little bastards are cold blooded, and then they seek fire, hot water, anything to stay warm. If you get them cold, they become sluggishly sluggish, both mentally and physically. That's amazing. Do they hibernate? That's what I want to know. I, it says that prolonged lack of heat can shut down a fire nuke community as the creatures within go into hibernation and their eggs stop developing. Well, there you go. Science. Thanks, Wizards of the Coast. Thanks. You answered one of our questions. How do they fuck, though? We'd never know. The I mean, they have question. eggs, clearly. So, I mean, through eggs. So, um, 
They delve for sources of heat in the air, such as boiling mud and hot springs, and they find ideal places to settle that have these resources. So any place hot and wet, they're there. That could have been misconstrued. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> through excavation and mining in the area, they fashion living spaces and attain an ample supply of minerals for other uses, such as melting, smithing, and alchemy. A fire newt lair features a network of channels and sluices, which I had to look up, to circulate hot liquid through a settlement, which just means either gates or to briefly wash. Like little channels of flow. It's weird. English that is, is stupid. weird. The alchemy practiced by fire newt focuses on fire. What a fucking shock. <laughs> One of their favorite mixtures is a paste of sulfur, mineral salts, and oil. Fire newts chew this blend habitually, which sounds disgusting because doing so produces a pleasant internal heat enables the fire newt to vomit forth a small ball of flame they can carry a container of this mixture with them so i'll get into that in a second it almost sounds like they're dipping pretty much like like you would put put these ingredients you know right behind your bottom lip and then into your bottle and then like keep it <laughs> they carry the jar to refill their vo- mouths but i just I, immediately <laughs> when you say that all i can think about is like a southern newt that's like warm today probably warm, warm tomorrow warm yesterday <laughs> and he's just like Patooey! and like spits a ball of fire I don't, okay so all i can think of is when we did the escape room with those people and they had oh, God. okay so uh zach have and i this before probably zach and i love escape rooms we have done so many together um and I think we're in the 20s now one of the last ones we did we did with the Clampets. most of the group was people we did not know and it was a family of people and i they just remember that we were doing the rules beforehand and, and the person is explaining everything and they have a large McDonald's styrofoam cup. And the host person is like, oh, well, there's no food or drink in the room. And they're like, oh, well, it's it's not a drink. And I remember me and Zach looking at each other like, what is in it then? We came to find out it was their spit cup. And not it was being shared between several adults so now i'm just thinking of fire newts like having dip in their mouth and spitting this in there and then drinking it again and spitting out fire which is exactly what i would do if i ever swallowed from someone's spit (laughs) spitting out fire spit out fire and then burn your whole face because there's no going back burn your tongue off forget it i'm done so these little bastards are religious militants they worship the god um imix or imix the Prince of Evil Fire. This veneration of him leads to I didn't fire. know that fire was aligned. I mean, you saw Avatar. <laughs> Everything changed I to did. the fire newts attack. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they, they spit at us. Yeah. They're firebenders, but they have to chew a gross paste to do it. That changed that whole plot a lot, wouldn't it? It'd be like the movie where they had to carry around actual flames. We don't talk about that movie. It never existed. Um, so... These, the veneration of Imex leads Fire Newts to be aggressive, wrathful, and cruel. Oh, they're fucked up. Fire Newts warlocks of Imex teach each other um, these horrible qualities, and their their warriors and combatants can become very touched by the Fire Lord, entering a nearly unstoppable blood rage or battle rage. 
You wouldn't know about how adorable that newt looks on the page. It looks adorable like you could put a lamp over it and be pretty happy. But then here's where it gets fucked up. Warlocks of IMAX command warriors to prove their worth by going on raids and bringing back treasures and captives. The warlocks value the choicest loot as a tithe to IMAX, and then those who participated in the raid divide the rest according to merit. Prisoners that have no apparent usefulness are sacrificed to IMAX and then eaten. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> those that are deemed capable of mining and performing other chores around the lair are kept as slaves for a while before meeting the same fate. Oh, and you know they're shit, probably man. cooking alive in these hot springs. Do you want to save 15% by switching your auto insurance? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of holding a sword, it's like car insurance paperwork. When fire newts muster for war, rather than merely staging occasional raids, they take no prisoners. Their goal is nothing less than an annihilation of their foes. They reserve their greatest animosity for others of their kind. If two groups of fire newts come upon each other, it's likely they're f- competing for the same resources and territory, and they just fuck each other up. Jesus. Uh, there are one, there's the warlock versions and the giant striders, which they use these creatures uh, to fight. But today I'm going to talk about the fire newt warrior and the fire newt warlock of Imix. So they are medium humanoids. They are fire newts, as I've described, and they are neutral evil. They have an armor class of 16, which they have from a chain shirt and shield. In this picture, it looks like it's a buckler and no shirt. Uh, their hit points are 22, so 48 plus 4 is their max. And they have a speed of 30 feet. They're not really great because they're low CR, but their strength is 10 with a score of 0, a dex of 13 with a score of 1, con is 12 with a score of 1, intelligence 7 with a minus 2, wisdom 11 with a minus 0, and charisma 8 with a negative 1. So they're pretty low across the board. They're huh? low across the board. These are kind of like your goblins that you put together in a large group. Oh, because yeah. they're so low CR. I think goblins are like a quarter CR. But I I wouldn't want to run across a group of fire newts. They sound like assholes. Yeah, they're going to enslave you. And so... And then eat you. <laughs> they're immune. At <laughs> half CR, they are immune to fire. So that doesn't help. Um, senses of passive perception of 10, they know draconic and ignin, which is one of the elemental languages. Um, they are amphibious. They can breathe air and water. Hot water, because they go... Oh, yeah, I guess hot there. water. I was like, what if you put them in the cold? So, as a half CR, they get multi-attack with two scimitar strikes. I have a plus three to hit, a reach of five feet, and they target one target for 1d6 plus one or four hit slashing damage. And lastly, they have spit fire. It recharges after a short or long rest, I guess because they have to chew more paste or something. Gross. The fire newt spits fire at a creature within 10 feet of it. The creature must make a DC 11 dex save, taking 9 or 2d8 fire damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. And then we go over to our warlock buddies of Imix. They have an AC of 10, so squishier. 13 if they cast mage armor. Uh, their hit points are 33 or 68 plus 6, and they have a speed of 30 feet. They have a plus one or 13 to strength, a plus zero and 11 to dex, a plus one for con, which is a 12, a negative one for intelligence because they have a nine, which, I mean, they're casters, but they're not warlocks, so that makes sense. Uh, Or they are warlocks, not wizards. Uh, 11 with a plus zero, and then a plus two of charisma with a 14 score. So they are also immune to fire because kill it with fire doesn't work with these guys no they have dark vision up to 120 feet which can penetrate magical darkness damn and they have a passive perception of 10 
They are also medium humanoids and neutral evil, and they have a CR of one and speak the same languages of Draconic and Ignit. It sounds terrifying to run up to a potentially five-foot-tall newt. Yeah. And then for it to be boiling hot. Because I imagine to the touch, they are hot. Yeah. Especially if their environment's hot, they should be the same temperature. They would have to be the same temperature as their environment. And then their weapons would probably be heat-resistant. And, man, that doesn't sound like a fun encounter at all. It reminds me of, like, I know I do this every single time. I compare things to Zelda. But when they did in the volcano, and, like, if you go in there without the right clothes. Like a red tunic. Yeah, he's like... (sighs) Yeah, like, <laughs> like beautiful voice acting, wiping away sweat and yep. just like breathing so hard, and you only have like eight minutes before you die. Mm-hmm. And so, I that would be really cool to. It, it would bring in a different environment for players to be in because you'd either have to be at a hot spring or at a volcano, a volcano or something or yeah. something and like that it sounds like a whole opportunity to do something very different. Yeah. And they're smelters, so maybe they have some ore or something you need, something weird that you're collecting. Right. They're very they're Or they're what life. you have to kill to bring the bones to Yeah. <laughs> the burpling. Yeah. So um the, You got any fire neat bones? No. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the the quote of this is "Tis always a fight to the death for them, so tis also one for ye." Volo's full of shit. I bet you even see these things. Whoever the fuck that is. So these little bastards are also amphibious because they are still newts. They have innate spell casting, and they use charisma as their spell casting ability. They can cast mage armor at will, self only. Nice. With no material components. Uh, they are third level spell casters with a DC of 12, again using charisma and a plus four to hit on their spell attacks. They regain their spell slots when it finishes a short or long rest, just like a normal warlock would. Uh, they have firebolt, guidance, light, mage hand, and prestidigitation as cantrips at will. And Shit. lastly, they have first and second level spells, two second level spell slots only burning hands, flaming spear, hellish rebuke, and scorching ray. Uh, as a blessing from Imix or Imix or Imax, whatever the fuck their name is, uh, when the newt reduces an enemy to zero hit points, the newt regains five temporary hit points. I don't want to encounter these things. They sound like a pain in the I mean, ass. Yeah. Their actions as an attack outside of spells is a morning star. So they have a plus three to hit, a reach of five. They can target one creature for 1d8 plus one or five piercing damage. But imagine like... I would see it as if the party's a little higher. Fuck it. They know Fireball. Oh, you know some lizard with Fireball would be like, let's burn this shit to the ground and just start lighting. Kill the humans. Yeah, they don't care. setting shit off, burning things constantly. And you know that like any smart party who goes in after something like that has to find out that they're immune to fire. Yeah you're automatically taking environmental damage because it's so hot where they mm-hmm. are. I would add that condition of it's hot where they are, but at the same time, you should be able to turn it around because it does say when they get cold, they are mentally and sluggish. Yeah, you'd and have think, to have yeah. ice spells I would use or that, water. and I would also probably in, uh, apply like the slow spell, kind of, the effects of the slow spell on these if you actually chill them long enough. Yeah. It doesn't last long. Because they're going to warm up eventually, particularly in their environment. But you might say for 1d4 rounds, they are considered slow. Hmm. 
as the ice crinkles around them. If the spell is continuous, though, like ice storm or sleet storm or whatever, oh, fuck it, it lasts long. Suck. But this these could be a fearsome thing, particularly if you get kidnapped. Like, oh, these guys are tough. Let's take them. And so they take you into the prison. Maybe that's the party's intent. Maybe they want to be captured. And then be eaten. <laughs> yeah, if they're, if they're feeling it. Um, so now it's time to present our dungeon doodles to each other. No I had the punishment of drawing a burbling. Punishment? So it, it has some really fierce facial structures. <laughs> and I, I've, it's got some great bone structure. It does. But I cannot convey that through art. So it looks like... I'll just show you. It's it just looks like it had like a Kylie Jenner lip plumping thing and it didn't go well. Did you see the <laughs> you probably did when the when that was a big thing and the people were like putting the cups on their lips. Cups or jars on their lips yeah. and swelling their lips out so big. They were doing that and then they were bursting blood vessels in them so they looked bruised. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I don't it doesn't feel good. So no, no, it doesn't. It. So one, it looks like it's squatting to take a shit. It looks like a little gargoyle. Well, you also don't have the bones that it had beneath it. It doesn't. No, it looks it like does it's this... trying to steal MTOF off the page. It does look like it's trying to like look for toilet paper or something. Like, it does. Look... Where's the roll? I should draw that underneath <laughs> it now. If I, only I could. So I wanted to point out while you were reading, I actually looked on the back of Mordecai's book and it is back there. And it looks like it's about to dance down a stripper pole. What's back there? Look on the back of that book. If you turn to the back of Mordecai's Tome of Foes. Is it, that a burbling? It is a burbling. It doesn't look big enough to be a burbling. Let me see. It's only a medium creature. Yeah, it's five feet tall. I mean, we it don't. It looks like it's inside of a clock or something. We don't have the scale of it. That's, That's true. That's very true. But it just, I think it is. It looks similar it colors. Does, it looks like a burbling. But it also, in this case, looks like it has a tambourine. So maybe it's going to play <laughs> tambourine, with Tambourine, tambourine. I think it's actually a gear from whatever machinery this is yeah, supposed to be. Yeah, it might be a gear. From or it looks like an evil pixie or something. But it looks very burbling-ish. Yes, but it looks like it was about to do a nice spin around a stripper pole. <laughs> which, if I could draw, I think... Wouldn't it be great if we were actually talented and we just put all these creatures in like really weird positions where they shouldn't be? I wish I was talented enough to do shit like that. Like if it's like bring me the bones of a king and you just bring him that creepy skeletal structure of that Burger King character that was like, do you remember that thing? What? There was this like, it was a human, but with a giant Burger King head. Like Like the king head? Yeah, the king had a giant head. It's imagine, like a costume. Though, it was, yes. But imagine if you're like, I brought you the bones of a king. And we drew like a giant skeletal structure with like a crown that was actually part of his head. Aww. Yeah. We're not talented, nor will no. that ever happen. Sorry, but that'd guys. be funny. Sorry. But yeah, it does look like it's about to shit itself and is looking for like, excuse me, I left my toilet paper on the material plane. Do you have any handy? It's like... i just shit myself um so here is my fire newt it's on volo's guide to monsters on page 142 oh it's adorable except for the bloodthirsty rage that actually dwells inside them yeah his head scares me and i realize he has a very similar face to the cow from last time (laughs) true they all have large eyes and nostrils 
I'm sorry. There's a theme. I don't know. <laughs> that is my art style. Breathing in is good for. Say, I don't know. They're amphibious, so they're they've got to have used those nostrils for something. I like that its belly is orange, and I like that you two toned it because it looks like it looks like it was like crayon, like darkened on the outside, and then you kind of filled it in lighter. <laughs> I did that as a kid because I, I didn't did have other too. skills, so it looks great. I like that you colored it this time. I love that it has a sword. It does have a sword. It's very a flexible sword. Neither of us can draw straight lines when we're doodling. We just, I don't have a ruler. What the hell am I supposed and to I do? And I like that it has like a dick for the right hand and it's holding the sword and then the left hand it's like a three-toed foot. How many toes does it, is it supposed to have? I don't know. It has enough toes. You know, it, it might be disabled. It walks it's, upright in the in the book. So and maybe we should hold it like this. I, no, it just okay. Looks like it's sitting I on its tried to draw it upright. Please upload it I, upright. No, <laughs> I really did. And I was like, this is beyond my skill set. I don't know how to do you this. You don't have a skill set. I mean, I'm a doodler. What is Volo's fine newt? Oh, fire, fire. newt. Okay, I'm sorry. I was Did like, your Ooh. generation not learn cursive? <laughs> I learned cursive. I'm not that much younger than you. You're enough younger than me. Listen here. You're not teaching anymore. Step. No, they don't. They don't. it's worthless. Um, I did find out they use it with students who have dyslexia. That Cursive is very useful for them because they don't have to pick up their pen to think of what to write next. Huh. It's a solid, fluid movement, so it really helps with them. That's interesting. So you can find these doodles on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't seen those already, check them out. You can also judge them because as we mentioned last episode, we're going to do a little competition to punish ourselves because we hate ourselves. Why not? Fuck it. Um, So at the (laughs) end of our third, when we release our third episode of this season and every three episodes after that, we're going to put a poll out and you get to judge on who had... The best pictures for those three episodes. Yeah. And whoever loses has to drink an Arizona can sweet tea. Mm. I'm not looking forward to I'm it. I'm not either. And I really hope I don't lose. Um, I tried to do a poll on Instagram. Nobody answered it. I don't know if that's just because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't see a poll on Instagram. I did it on the story. And I don't know if that's right. Oh. I asked my lab mate. Because the only person who ever shares anything on their story is my lab mate with me. Cause I don't use Instagram and nobody else puts this much shit on their story. <laughs> Sorry. You don't listen. It's okay. And it's, just, I was like, how do I do this? They're like, you need the sticker. I'm like, what sticker? I don't understand. Who puts stickers on the internet? So it's time for the magic item, which Jamie chose this week. I did. And I'm super excited about because I thought the last one was great and it seemed to get a lot of attention on the internet. And we thank the artist who did that, whose name escapes me. Something awesome. Leopard. 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 Ocelot. It's a cat. It was. I was close. Shit, what was it? It was something leopard because we. I remember you being like, leopard. leopard. I can't speak, <laughs> but yes. Right, but that you... guy, which we do have it still on our social medias. Check it out. Finger um, buddies. It was, it's super cute. I want a bunch of them and I want a bunch of these too. Okay, so this is a magic item. It's called Ring of Finger Guns. It's a wondrous item and it is rare. And I'm just going to read the description because it gave me life today. So, it says, you lock eyes with Todd from accounting. Between the two of you is the last, I'm going to say this wrong because I don't know how to say it. It's a type of donut. Cruller? Cruller? Cruller. Cruller? I was corrected the last time I was in Canada. I'm like, can I get a cruller? And they're like, cruller. I'm like, fuck you. Cruller. It's a do- give me the donut. Cruller. <laughs> yes. 
Baguette. It's a donut. <laughs> Between the two of you is the last donut. It glistens with a sugary glaze. Your fingers point forward and you raise your thumb. A moment passes. Todd reaches for the donut. You drop your thumb and he's blasted across the room. You blow smoke from the tip of your finger. It didn't have to end this way, Todd. We could have shared that donut. You take a bite. It's delicious. Good. <laughs> it says putting on the ring of finger guns allows you to shoot one dart of a magic missile from your fingers, dealing 1d4 plus 1 force damage to a creature within 120 feet. You can shoot a magic dart as either an action or a bonus action. The ring of finger guns contains three charges for magic darts, and those charges are regained at midnight. You must make a pew-pew or similar gunshot noise for the ring of finger guns to activate. You think Todd, the, is it in accounting? Is that what it says? Todd from accounting, yeah. Todd from accounting is a commoner? Because if you do max damage on that, Todd's dead. And you murdered him from a donut. I mean, we justified. I mean, we, we can't say too much. We killed a child with a snowball one day. <laughs> we did. Do you remember that? So I love this. I would probably give them, if they got them, two finger guns. Because, like, it's an action or a bonus action, right? Action or bonus action. So I would say if you're attacking and then you went pew and, like, fired one, that's cool. Three is probably good if they're, like, more of a melee character. But, like, for a wizard, that's magic missile. One magic missile. Because magic missile is just three darts in a single cast. The best thing about this is it is magic missile, which does not miss. It's an automatic hit. It doesn't miss. As long as you pew in the yeah. right direction, you're good to go. As long as you hit you yeah. hit like it's they're gonna take damage yeah. so it's really cool to have um last time someone pointed this out on facebook as the finger puppets are a rare item and rare items start at about what 500 gold pieces each there, if you yeah. go by the the scales um depending which book you're reading and the finger puppets were only five gold each this is just a general disclaimer. We don't make these items. We don't own. We didn't make them. We don't own the rights to them. We don't decide these things. So, do you whatever. know who made that one? Um, there is. There's. A, I don't, okay, look at this picture and see if that's the name up top, right above the picture. It just um, looks like letters. I don't, so it says B J Hypes. Where they could be the person who created. It was it. on Reddit. We're not sure. We'll have to do some research on that and see if we can reverse image search it. If we figure it out, we'll put it in our Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, or it Twitter. just went to a Reddit like feed, and it was yeah. there, and I picked it. Um, you got to give credit where credit is due. Yes. Um, we didn't do shit. Right. We just Googled. We Googled. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Cool magic items. Go, Google. Google. And then it goes. Um, but I think it's super fun. I think it's a great thing to have. I, I feel like it does need a way to not exist. Like most magic items that are really cool. You can use them for X amount of time until whatever happens. Um, I don't know. Like, it's very cool. I don't, I wouldn't see a problem with anybody having it, but anyone could have it. You could, you could have any Give player the have this. Barbarian who just wants to like finger, I almost said finger blast. Their enemies, <laughs> so that's not appropriate. Nope. Finger, finger gun. Their enemies. Finger gun. Pew, pew. But uh, it's great. We'll post this as well on our social medias and see if you guys can use it. I think it'd be a good thing just to have in like a grab bag type thing along with the finger puppets. Yes. So it's it's a definitely a cool item. I think it'd be fun if for some stupid reason, 
I nobody I've never seen anybody use these recently. But there were always those coin operated dispensers of shitty items at like oh, restaurants. I love those. Yeah, they were great when you were a kid, but I think all kids have iPads now, so they don't really give a shit about those. Uh but I think it would be fun if you just kind of walked in and like there was a bin. You put a gold piece, not a gold piece, maybe a gold piece in, rotated it around, and it was just like, I think that, hear me out on this, because this is stupid. Oh, I'll go, but I'll walk like, down the road with you. We could find like a list of like shitty, not shitty magic items, but one-time use magic items. Yeah. Like imagine if you got that, you put a gold piece in and you rotated it, and ten one item fell out and you had a list of 10 as the DM, and it was like, ring a finger gun and there's one use out of it because it was only one gold piece and then fuck it somebody had to make the magic item so you just find somebody who made them and ask them to make the real thing if that's something you want to role play out there's like a little bit of scroll in there that tells you about it and it has like the manufacturer's name and shit on it (laughs) quality control by dave and just that's it operator number 19 (laughs) and so it would be fun if like that was at a carnival or you went to a restaurant or a tavern had one in the corner that was just like a whizzical, whimsy bullshit in the corner. I think that'd be kind of cool. It's definitely something like uh, we had mentioned last time, like the birthday party that I, that I did at one yes. point. It's very cool. It's a very cool thing with little impact to your story because it's a, unbeknownst to a lot of people, magic items as a DM when you pass them out. <sighs> If you're not careful, they can hurt your story because sometimes they are too OP. They make your character too overpowered and it can really throw shit off. Um, But things like this that are kind of inconsequential, they don't really matter, are always fun to play with. Yeah. The thing you have to be careful with these magic items, and this is anything we've talked about, is mainly will it fit with your character's level? Like rare normally starts around level five. If you're giving them, like, a finger buddy to do mischief, fuck it. Level ones can have it. That's for fun and story. You should yes. do it. But for something that's going to be, like, a massive damage output for a level one Or character, they keep for a long time. Yeah. And the other thing you can do with this, this is completely off topic of what we we're talking about today. But if anything, if you're having an item that starts out kind of weak, then have it where it's awoken every now and then where it just kind of gains another thing. Yeah. Like, oh, you've made an accomplishment. I think um, Matt Mercer did this really well with his oh, vest, vestiges of divergence, I think is what they're called. And all of these items had like normal level, awoken, enlightened, or something like that. I can't remember the exact terminology. But the characters had to be a certain level to reach it and then do something else. So, for example, Percy had a cloak that... If he absorbed a ninth level spell, that unlocked it. If he didn't do that, then it never, it would always stay one level below mm-hmm. and it would gain extra bonuses from that. That's cool. Those are in the Taldori set campaign setting guide. You should check those out. There's some pretty dope ass items in there. There are. Um, Mercer put a lot of work into that. Yes, he did. But it's another cool item. Um, I would definitely love to see it used somewhere. Yes. Speaking of putting a lot of work into some stuff. Let's talk about our DM tips and just the tips. Just the tips. We should have some really uncomfortable transition of music right here. No, I think anyone who knows what that's from is already uncomfortable. I don't remember what that's from. Oh, God. I'm glad you don't. Tell me now. (laughs) It's from Sausage Party. Oh, I've never watched that movie. Oh, God. Don't. I know what happens at the end because everyone has talked to me about it. Okay. 
It's so weird. Spoilers for those who haven't seen Seth Rogen's Sausage Party. Um, don't. Like, okay. <laughs> Spoilers, don't. <laughs> Nothing against Seth Rogen. I totally get where he was going. I'm I'm on the track with you, friend. It's just, I don't like watching food have sex. <laughs> watching food have sex is very weird. But there's a part where the uh, the bun and the hot dog, like, just touch the ends of their fingers together. And they're like, just the tips. Oh. Just the deeps, like it's 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 in anyway. What are we talking about today? Uh, today we're talking about <laughs> adding scene flavor to your encounters, whether those Flavor-y. are role play encounters or combat encounters. I love that. As I'm looking at this on your screen, it has a U in flavor. I think the person who wrote this article was English. So, um, what we're looking at real quick is uh, this is an article from. Tricrotome Design. Uh, this is the works of Justin Laranger Ahluwalia, video game and multimedia designer. You if I go. mispronounced your name, I am so sorry. Let's talk about um, flavor. flavor scenes, flavor, flavor text, however you want to do it. Flavor text is something we've often described in the book that gives you a little background yes. of what we're looking at here. So what you want to do is you want to add enough information to give the scene a feeling a tone and feel right yeah so one thing i've always been concerned about is like for encounters and combat i'm kind of dull like i want to set the scene i was always told like i wasn't told i just read it a long time ago try to give something for every player and think of how some people are like visual learners and then auditory learners Mm -hmm. and then sometimes there's people who kind of think more along the lines of like scent and so which i'm not going to be like a perfume wasp by and spray a perfume in the air. I don't have that kind of budget. But like, oh my gosh. I'm sorry. This just made me think of something. I'm pretty sure I sent it to you. I saw a long time ago and it was, they were almost like D and D themed candles. And one of them was like a dungeon and it kind of had this more musky smell okay. to it. One of them was like a tavern and it had more of like a hops and thing type smell to it. And like just different scents like that like one of them was a forest and one of them is like a mountain of course that would but be cool. but it was like ways to flavor your your scenes without doing anything so you would have a smell to match it yeah so i think that would be impressive but i mean how long do you have to wait for the candle to you know like warm up i don't know or do you pass <laughs> that around the table like okay we're in the mountains i'm like oh let's see we want evergreen or stony for- evergreen and just like pass that around to everyone. What kind of forest? <laughs> Deciduous or conifer? <laughs> Can you imagine if I w- went into every campaign or table that I was running a game at and instead of like miniatures, it was just a box of candles? <laughs> you know, there are worse things, but it may promote that, you know, Satan worshiping thing that people think yeah, we do. <laughs> but then they probably read it and be like, oh, it's seaside shore or whatever and then... oh this is satan's candle <laughs> this is what hell smells like children <laughs> and then for the next day you pull out a brimstone candle just to fuck with them <laughs> so with these scenes and flavors there's a lot of ways you can do it find what fits your table there's when it comes to role playing i think it's better to set the scene of like what's around them what the people around them are like and also you can try accents I'm notoriously bad at accents. Something will come out and then it will just be an amalgam of every accent I can think of. And then it's just shit. 
accent, <laughs> accent, accent. <laughs> I'm from the south. I'm from the south. Um, accents are one of those things like homebrew rules. Once you start it, you, you can't ha- stop. It's and it's also a thing you have to remember, and that's one reason I don't like doing accents because they may come across Tom the shopkeep in the very beginning, and then in game like six months later, and in real time nine months later. They come back to said shop with same shopkeep, and I have to remember nice what the hell he sounded like. So sometimes you just have to play every shopkeep like you would a woman at a Pokemon Center, and just they're all the same. And Pokemon, like I, I can't I never remember played their Pokemon. name. I want to say it's Judy, but that's what wrong. Nurse Joy. Nurse Joy, yeah, yeah, okay. They all are Nurse Joys, and they're all yeah, the they're same. all the same. Yeah. <laughs> and so every shopkeeper is Nurse Joy, and sometimes I don't remember or every. <laughs> stereotypical accent like every dwarf sounds scottish or there Irish. was a there was a show that did that and it was like the same guy was every person in town yeah <laughs> and like i that would be me and then i would forget the accent but i think the main thing you want to do that with is in npcs that the party will consistently interact with oh yeah if it's so, going to be someone of importance Feel free. So let's say you're doing like Waterdeep Dragon Heist and Volo's one of the characters you make. One, they have a book and players are probably familiar with it. And we gave Volo shit in our setting. But either way, what you're... So, so much shade so much, so much was shade. thrown at Volo. But what you want to do is establish something that you know is going to be recurring as a decent enough character. For example, maybe you're doing Adventures League or you're doing something related to factions the leaders of those factions and the point of contact with those factions should have an outline characteristic. Don't just say, like, they're a dwarf. Give them a description of what they're wearing. Not in a creepy way, but, like, what type of armor? What color is it? What marks are on them? What scars do they have? What is their interesting characteristic? Um, there are a lot of character builders and generators that you can just be like, make them funny or do whatever you want, and it'll give them this weird quirk. There's yeah. tables in source materials there's all sorts of stuff that you could do this with um but i think my favorite thing because it's to me the easiest is music yeah i have music is great i have a playlist i I probably a long time ago took this from matt mercer when he was like i released my playlist when critical role was in its infancy and before they had like all the rights to play all this other music but what i've done is i made like a creepy a big boss battle, small boss battle, peaceful, and I have Just remember to cut it off when you're done, because it'd be really weird if everybody's like relaxing and the music's like Yeah. Cause then they're gonna be like shit, it's like a Zelda game. They have three fucking rounds with these boss. No, it's like uh it does it in a lot of games where or old games rather when you would enter into a certain part of the game mm-hmm. the music would come on so you knew you were about to enter into a combat zone and it's like oh shit <laughs> i didn't save yeah there's a cut scene yeah like i can hear the the music coming shit there's something over there yeah uh, another thing you can add is some i i say background music uh, you can use different tokens if you really want to go at it start making physical objects for the party oh yeah this is this is hard for me because I don't have time to craft. I'm also not crafty. I do this a lot. <laughs> you, and it's great. I appreciate it because you'll give me something. Like I also like, if I'm given a magic item, I like having an item that has a drawing of it. And, and I can maybe draw it myself or whatever. But the other thing is it has like a description of what it is and what it can do. And that to me is like having a spell card. Um, 
And it's good to have those as something to hold on to. And then you can even like, oh, well, you're selling that item. I need a card from you. Oh, yeah. That's gone. Um, You can get players to have like bonuses if they're actually role playing. I One of the mechanical things you can do with this, and it's actually encouraged in D&D, the book, is to just give them advantage or inspiration if they're role playing or sticking to their character. We had one... um, one game that we played, I don't think it was D&D. I can't remember exactly what it was. Maybe it was some weird version of it. But it, what happened was if you stuck to your flaw and used your flaw in role-playing or something along that lines, you would regain these points that you could burn for inspiration. And it doesn't hurt to have those to reward the players for actually giving a shit. Um, lastly, I think try to make events that should be memorable special. Like... Yeah background music or background sound um tabletop audio is a great place to go like say you're in a tavern you need background tavern noise you're at a fair background fair noise they have some sci-fi ones if you're at a sci-fi setting all sorts of stuff but try to make each one unique maybe you're like oh smells like an evergreen forest or it smells of death sulfur whatever (laughs) put something in there not all at the same time hopefully but put all of that together as like this is your scene this is your description but also when you're doing this try to set up the goal Draw their attention to something. Don't. I always thought Tolkien had a good way of not doing this sometimes. I haven't read Tolkien in a long time. It's been a while, but I've always been told, like, he's very descriptive. He'll spend oh, yeah. three pages describing a meadow. I'm done after paragraph one. It's a meadow in my head. I can picture other details as they come to light. But for some people, you need to describe that in the room. So whenever you're giving your description, make sure you're including enough details to draw the party's attention to something. Like if there's a body on the ground, talk about the body. But if there's like a puzzle in the room and it's not obvious, say something like, interestingly, something is over here. You can give your cues. That doesn't mean the players are going to listen because they never do. And then you just kind of get to sit and watch them try to figure it out. Very true. I I feel like something to also be noted is your descriptive words. What adjectives are you using? Mm-hmm. Um, really try and change it up. We just, as people, tend to not embrace the fullness of vocabulary that we have at our ex, you know expense. So, by all means, tell them that the room reeks of death and rot and decay. Tell them that the walls are, you know, oozing blood or, you know, they have a sheen across them and they're cold to the touch. And and all this like you can do it just with language. You don't have to go out of your way and find a playlist and and make crafts and all stuff, but really make it it unique. You know, what is it about this room that is important? If there's nothing then you don't have to. But if there's definitely like he says, if there's something in there, the characters and players need to find or see or notice you're going to want to do that in your descriptive text yeah and this is a little long-winded but for a good example of this and something i like to do to add suspense is let's say jamie's character walks into a room the only thing in this room it is completely carved out of stone there's nothing special about it but there is a scroll on the ground tied up in a knot what would you do Look for traps. <laughs> you inspect the room for traps. And I tell you again, nothing seems to be trapped. Just a scroll on the ground. Well, fuck. I have to go pick it up. Hey, and then for suspense, it'd be like, you pick it up. 
Yeah. As soon as you say that, (laughs) then I'll go into detail. You pick the scroll up. It seems to be made of a dense vellum or some type of description. It smells old, like musty or something along the line. What the fuck is vellum? It's old paper. (laughs) So it's more of a material. So, and then I say, all right, the scroll's in your hand. What next? Open it. Uh, And I say, it's bound in a red cord. And then you say, you untie the cord. It falls to the ground. It's getting breathy and wordy. It's very Tolkien-y. But you're building suspense. They just entered a room with no context. Say it's in a dungeon. And they're like, a scroll. (laughs) Build it up for a reason. Like, you open it. Okay. It's trapped. Fireball. Or whatever. Like, you can just do whatever. (laughs) Like, you can do whatever you want. You open it. It seems to be confusing. If you want to read it, there's some information about it. Like, you decide what's present, so you get to decide the text around it. Yes. And the same thing can be done, like, if you're talking with an NPC, everybody's played some type of RPG where there's branching conversation. Like, what do you say? I punch him in the face. Or do you say, oh, that sucks. Like, there's conversation trees that you can go down. You can't plan for everything. Nobody will say what you want. But... One of the good things that I like to look at is in pre-written campaigns, they'll say, like, by capturing these characters, they receive the following information. Hate that. You hate that? I I struggle with book campaigns. I Even in the last one we did, I, I totally felt like I was off the mark. And I was like, okay, so they learn this, but is it... I just tell them. I I struggle with how to bring the information to people's attention. You were there. You remember I forgot all sorts of important stuff, even though it was written down. Um, but that's just my personal thing. They are good for most people. I just have to struggle. Yes. The main thing if you're doing pre-written is read the whole thing first. You have to read it all first. <sighs> it sucks. <laughs> but if you're really interested in actually running the campaign, you've got you to read have all to. through it first. It's so hard. It is hard, but that shows your dedication. And sometimes you'll catch yeah, where <laughs> there's just holes in the story that you have to fill yourself. And that's where you get to be creative with it. True that. But there's cues. You don't have to write every possibility out. Just know enough about the NPC to be like, oh, well, they don't know about this. And the same thing can be done with your own player characters if you're a player. Know what your character's flaws and backstory and personality traits are. So that way, if something does occur to the character that throws you off as a player, then you could be like, oh, well, my flaw is to trust no one. I have problems with that. I would probably stop trusting this character and question their choices. And then you can bring that in as some of your role-playing expertise and fun. Indeed. Indubitably. (laughs) Uh, But anywho, there are plenty of ways to add flavor to your scenes. It's whether it's just the, the words or you you use, whether it's sense, whether it's items Touch. that you craft, whether it is music that you add, there's always a way to make it special and unique to you and your party. Um, if you want to check us out on our social medias, they are Sweet Tea and D and D, all one word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'd think of the other one. Yep. <laughs> um, if you don't know where you found our podcast at, you can also find it on your podcatcher of choice, uh, Sweet Tea and D&D, all separate words, or on our website at sweettnd.simplecast.com. Correct. Yeah. Got it all right. <laughs> we appreciate you listening, and uh, feel free to message us online. If you oh, and to. make sure you vote for our doodles. Vote yes. for the doodles. But vote for mine, because I don't want to drink an Arizona oh, tea. God, I don't want to either. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye.